Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. Welcome to In Her Shoes. I'm Lindsay Peoples, and I'm editor-in-chief of The Cut. On this show, I get to talk to people that we love and admire, or some that we just find interesting. We'll explore how they found their path and what maybe have gotten in their way, and how they brought others along now that they've arrived. Shiza Shahid has been impressive pretty much all her life. At 14, she was working as a volunteer in women's prisons. At 18, she was off to Stanford. And a few years later, she returned home to Pakistan, where she co-founded the Malala Fund with now Nobel Peace Prize laureate Malala. These days, she's running the cookware company Our Place that has all the Instagirlies in a frenzy. But the brand has a larger mission of telling stories through meals that bring people together. We got a chance to talk about her business, transitioning from the nonprofit world, and what her day-to-day is like in running a company. Shiza, we always start by asking everyone on the pod either what shoes are you wearing today or what are your favorite shoes? I'm wearing my Chloe sneakers. They're... Oh, let me see. Oh, I, uh, they have a name. Everybody... Oh, yes. Do you know what they are? The Chloe, I don't know the name, but they're, they're the espadrilles. I'm like, they're made yeah. from recycled bottles. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. They're really comfy. How did you choose them? Are they like a go-to shoe for you or... Yeah, you know, we've been traveling a lot this year uh, with the world opening up and teams everywhere and artisans and factory partners. So needed something I could walk in and they're just really comfy. Yeah, they're very chic. Good shoe choice. Thank you. Um, Okay, on to more serious things. You obviously started the Malala Fund, um, which is centered around breaking down barriers for girls and getting an education, um, which has been incredibly inspiring. And I think, you know, obviously such a big deal culturally, but I'm sure behind the scenes, so much has gone into that. Um, What inspired you to transition into, you know, into making that kind of work and then also then going into cookware? Yeah, thank you for thank you for saying that. I grew up in Pakistan. I've known Malala and her family for many years and when as a result of her courage, she was attacked by the Taliban. We came together to co-found the Malala Fund as a platform to help the most vulnerable girls around the world access an education and to inspire more people to act. And I had the immense privilege of being co-founder, founding CEO, and worked side by side with Malala, her father, the amazing team there, to set the foundation for that organization. I have always also believed in the power of business to have an impact if driven by a core set of values. And I'm an immigrant, my partner's an immigrant, 
we both literally found our place in America by cooking food, having people come over, and breaking bread at our dinner table together and and arguing over whose cooking is better. Um, <laughs> and we saw a gap in the market for a brand that spoke to our values, that designed products for how we actually cook and live and gather today, mm-hmm. that represented and included our cultures and that used healthy materials and cared about sustainability. And that was really the origin of our place was building a brand that would make cooking easier because when we cook and share food, we reconnect to our culture, our traditions, our identities, our community, our bodies. And that's what our place is about. I love that. Um, what would you say were some lessons that you learned in you know, leaving Malala Fund and then going into the work that you do now that felt really relevant or that have helped you in the transition? You know, nothing that I have done in my life was part of the plan. Growing up in Pakistan, I thought I would always live in my hometown of Islamabad. I would work in a local nonprofit. I'd grown up doing a lot of work in women's rights, girls' education. And in my life, I found there have just been these moments where I have been presented with a choice and had to make a decision about whether I was going to rise to that opportunity rise to that call or not. When Malala and her father asked me to uh, start the Malala Fund, I was a year out of college working in McKinsey, a consulting gig in Dubai. I had a five-year plan. I was going to go to business school and then maybe become an entrepreneur. Mm. But I knew in that moment I had to make a decision and I ended up quitting my job, moving to New York and co-founding the Malala Fund. Similarly with our place, We were starting to think about this business at a time of growing disconnection, isolation, a sense of otherness in the world, people fearing one another, spending less time breaking bread together. And we just felt that telling stories of culture, of food, of tradition, and getting more people cooking and breaking bread together could be this incredible antidote to that disconnection, to that fear. Um, and so I was really called into doing that work, and it's been um, this incredible journey. I think what I've learned is, you know, I've worked in the nonprofit sector, I've worked in consulting and finance, and now uh, I'm an entrepreneur, and the skills that we carry across these roles are so transferable. People will often say, well, did you go to school for this? And I didn't. I studied international relations. But intuition and compassion and creativity and so many of the skills that make you successful in one role are so transferable to the next. So even if you didn't study the exact thing that you're thinking of, of doing next, don't let that stop you. If you ask enough questions, you'll get to the right answer. Right. I mean, obviously, I wasn't there, so you will tell us, but I'm assuming that it was really hard to make that transition, though, and leaving the Malala Fund. What was that transition actually like, and what would you say the hardest part of it was, and and what do you miss about it? I think the hardest part of leaving anything is very often the people, right? The people that you love and work with and spend time with. For me, that was... Lala and her father, who I'm very close to, but also a lot of the team there. And I think, you know, a lot of the meaning that comes 
in work for us is from our relationships with one another and with with our team. And I'm really fortunate to have cultivated that at our place where we do have now um, 150 teammates around the world. Um, we're a female-founded and, and led business. We have people from all backgrounds and walks of life and opinions and experiences. And we invest a tremendous amount in building that culture and nurturing that culture because we're driven by a mission. But at the same time, what makes the day-to-day impactful is the experiences that we have together. And so I think that's the most amazing part of being in a place where you're happy and fulfilled and inspired. And whenever you move on to something else, that's probably the part that you'll miss the most. But, you know, even though friendships are often nurtured in your workplace, they don't have to end because you've you've moved on. Yeah, yeah. Um, You talk a lot about our place being a mission-oriented company. What does that mean you know, in theory, a lot of people say that, but what does that mean in practice to you? In practice to me, what it means is making better decisions every day. And in a business, you get to make a lot of decisions every single day. And it's small decisions like where are we ordering food from for lunch today to big ones, like how do we set up our supply chain and what materials do we use in our products and what stories do we tell about food and culture And how do we credit the cultures that these cooking techniques that we're celebrating first originated from? And so at our place, we're really looking at every decision we're making and trying to make better choices. And that's everything from um, building a diverse team and an inclusive culture to sourcing our products from the best factories and artisan collectives around the world, places that are preserving heritage crafts, for example, our glasses, are hand-blown in Thailand, in the last factory in Thailand that is still preserving the art of hand-blowing glasses there, Mm -hmm. um, to using recycled materials in our products and in our packaging and increasingly biodegradable materials and working towards a circular supply chain, um, to telling the stories that we tell. We talk about food. Food is inherently connected to identity, to culture, And I think in the food space, there has been a very long history of erasure, of not crediting the cultures that originated the farming techniques, the cooking techniques, the recipes that a lot of us take for granted today. And I'll speak for myself. As an immigrant, as a a Pakistani Muslim woman, I had not seen my culture represented in the mainstream. And so... I wanted to build a brand that celebrated all of our cultures equally loudly and joyfully. And so if you go to our Instagram feed today, you'll see we celebrated 32 traditions last year from Nowruz to Noche Buena to Shabbat to Ramadan. Um, And we told those stories in a really inclusive and intersectional way and partnered with the communities from start to finish. Yeah. Embracing nature is more than just going for a walk now and then. It's reconnecting with the elements. It's harnessing the power of natural ingredients. It's putting the earth first. For over 50 years, Nature's Sunshine has been sharing the healing power of nature as they work towards a healthier planet. Their manufacturing facility is 100% powered by sunlight, and they divert 95% of waste away from landfills. 
If you're looking for a sustainably made herbal supplement, you might want to check out Nature Sunshine and their new power line. Power Beats are a superfood performance booster that can help enhance both performance and blood flow. And Power Meal is a satisfying protein-packed superfood shake that comes in sustainable packaging made with nearly 40% post-consumer recycled plastics. Now that's something you can feel good about. This Earth Month, you can enjoy 25% off your first order with code NSP. Just go to naturesunshine.com. That's naturesunshine.com and use code NSP for 25% off your first order. So we have to talk about the always pan (laughs) because everyone loves it um, and definitely a fan favorite. Tell me about the concept, where the idea came from, and what it was like to actually get that kind of product out into the market. Our product design, and, and it's true of the Always Pan, it comes directly from our mission. If we want to get more people cooking and sharing food together, and if we want to do that, we have to make it easier and more fun to cook. Because we know that cooking can be empowering or joyful, or it can be oppressive and overwhelming. And a lot of that does come from the way you cook and the tools you use. I grew up in Pakistan. My mother never taught me to cook. And at 18, I moved halfway across the world on my own to go to college at Stanford. And I realized I couldn't feed myself. And so I started learning to cook. And I walked into a kitchenware store and said, I need a starter set. I'm just trying to make some meals in my dorm room. And I was handed a 16-piece cookware set. Um, All these pots and pans, of all these very specific shapes and sizes designed to do very specific things. And I had grown up with two pots, a round one and a flat one. So I didn't understand why the industry was selling all this clutter and I didn't have space for it. Mm -hmm. And so really informed by our experiences, we started to design products that were multi-use. So the Always Pan is a literal Venn diagram of eight different pieces of of cookware. It's shallow enough to flip an egg, but it's deep enough that you can actually fit an entire roast chicken in it. And it's got all these little details that just make it easier to cook from being lightweight to having a nesting spatula and steamer basket to having a really great ceramic coating that is toxin-free. Most nonstick pans use PTFEs. Um, PFAS, these are chemicals that um, are potentially toxic, that contain microplastics. So stripping all of that away and just giving you a product that's really, really easy to cook with. Because if it's easy to cook and if it's beautiful and it's always out on your stovetop, then the next time you're about to go and order another box of soggy takeout, nothing against takeout. I eat it many, many (laughs) nights. You know, you see it out on your stovetop and you say, you know what, I'll just whip up something real quick. And that's what great product design is about. It's about empowering you to cook more. At what point, though, did you realize whether it was the Always Pan or just, you know, the business in general was really taking off and that you, did you notice a lot of people using them on social media? Like, what was that turning point for you? Yeah, you know, the business started and grew in a really grassroots way. We're an L.A.-based company. Everything is designed in Los Angeles by our team from scratch obsessively. We take, you know, a year and a half, two years on every product, drawing it, testing it, printing it, engineering it, refining it, and making it the very best version it can be. And then we ask people to use our products and give us feedback. And so we started to, you know, very early on, see a lot of 
our community um, in Los Angeles and New York and in places around the U.S. using our Always Pan. At the time, we also had we had just three other products: our main plates, our drinking glasses, and our our bowls. Um, you know, everything you need to just whip up a beautiful meal. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it started on social media. We were, you know, in the pandemic. So our ability to be in person was really limited. And what we found was people were finding comfort by learning to cook. You know, they couldn't see their grandmother or their dad, but they could call them up and say, hey, grandma, can you give me the recipe for your soup dumplings? And that's how we were staying connected and mm-hmm. and learning to cook. And people were sharing that on social media and sharing stories. And we sort of grew through that organic connection with our community around food, around cooking, and around culture. And from there, we're able to really grow the brand, expand the product line. Now we have two retail stores of our own in Los Angeles, one on Melrose, one in Venice Beach. We're in luxury department stores across the world, from Selfridges to Nordstrom and Harrods. We have produced other products that simplify how you prep, how you cook, how you serve, how you gather, wander, celebrate. And I think just, you know, sort of being both on the internet and seeing the product and seeing it in so many homes and people sharing their recipes and their stories, that was really the thing that was most special to witness. Mm-hmm. And then I actually wanted to talk about the expansion of things because, I mean, you guys started with the pan, but now you have the pot and the cast iron. Um, I know you have kitchen tools and you had a collection with Selena Gomez as well. Um, what has that expansion been like in running a company, but also really wanting to be intentional about the products that you're putting out? Yeah, we... Um you know, we don't make anything unless we believe that we can make it better than what currently exists. So, you know, we have one kind of glass, our drinking glass. It's beautiful. It's hand-blown in Thailand. Um, it stacks. It's microwave, dishwasher, freezer, oven safe. It comes in a range of gorgeous colors. Um, but, you know, you walk into any kitchenware store, they'll present you with a hundred different glass shapes and sizes. And so we're really doing the work of saying, this is what you need. And it's beautiful and it's functional and it's accessible. Um, And we do that across every category. So we created, you know, everybody needs to chop to prep their meal. And so we created a set of three knives. You don't need 15 knives. You don't need 20 knives. You need your chef's knife for most things, a paring knife for tiny tasks, and a serrated knife for bread and tomatoes and, you know, essentially anything hard and crusty or soft and squishy on the inside. So a set of three knives, the sharpest and easiest to use knives you'll ever use, and they come in our beautiful colors. And so, you know, we do that with each part of the cooking, gathering, hosting experience. Mm-hmm is making it easier, making it more fun, taking the guesswork out of it. And so we have our our prep tools, our cookware, our dinnerware, our glassware, and then we just bring in our signature aesthetics and design. And so if you go to our website, if you walk into the store, we've done that work for you. You know you're getting a really high-quality product, a beautiful product. You can choose your colors. Um, you can customize your bundles and, you know, leave with everything you need and nothing you don't to cook and share a meal with the people you call family. 
I find it so interesting how you've talked about that you got over 300 rejections from investors, um, which I guess, and you know, everything is always in hindsight, but our place is such a unique and profitable company. What was going through your mind in getting all these rejections and what made you continue to push past that, even though, you know, you were getting rejections and just stick with your gut to say, I know I have something special. I was thinking, well, this is going to be hard. Um, And I was also thinking that's okay because the things that are most meaningful are almost always hard. Um, They have to be. If it was easy, then everyone would do it. And so, um, you know, it it was a hard climate. It still is. And, you know, we were penalized for the mistakes of other e-commerce companies, right? We were coming out of this period of excess where a lot of startups, you know, mostly run by men, (laughs) um, had raised a lot of money, had spent a lot of money. And, you know, you were coming off that sort of early period where there was a lot of romance with e-commerce and investors were going from it's amazing, it's magic, to this is not working. And so we were painted with this very broad brush stroke. Um, that I think investors often see see industries with. They either love them or they hate them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were doing things very differently. Um, Early e-commerce businesses, they weren't profitable. They were spending and spending on unprofitable growth, whereas we were, you know, coming into this with really strong fundamentals and wanting to be scrappy and efficient from day one. But also this category hadn't seen any innovation, right? Cookware, kitchenware, you'd seen innovation in fashion and beauty, but... This is a category that's very old school. It's dominated by incredibly old school players. And, um, you know, the way that they have made money is by selling you lots and lots of things. So 16-piece cookware sets and 20-piece knife sets. And all they talk about is um, how sharp the knives are, how many plies are in the cookware. And they're sort of all selling. There's a sea of sameness. It's all the same product. And so... This notion of innovating on the product and challenging product design, but also building a brand that people connected with, a lifestyle brand, a brand rooted in culture and values and and design um, was very, very new. And so we had to convince people that it was possible, even though it hadn't been done before. Um, and we also had to convince people that a brand rooted in culture um, had a place in this world, right? There was a sense of, well, people, people don't care about that. They just care about, um, you know how sharp the knives are and how cheap you can sell them for. So it was an uphill journey, but, um, you know, we started first bootstrap, then raised capital and proved out the model. And, uh, and I think what has always kept us going is we fundamentally believe in what we're doing. Um, and we feel really proud to be building this company with our incredible team. And, you know, we never signed up for the easy job. Yeah. Um, I guess on the flip side, though, now you can go on Instagram and there's so many cookware brands um, and probably some brands that I think are making similar products as well. How do you deal with, you know, a sea of a lot of people trying to now do the same kind of business and also, you know, stay true to what you want to do? Yeah, you just out innovate them. You you (laughs) outwork them. You out, you know inspire them, you out, uh, hustle them, you, you know, it, it is, um, it's unfortunate that you see this, you know, with many founders and female founders and BIPOC founders is, you know, they'll sort of 
innovate and create IP and then large brands will pretty much shamelessly copy them. Um, and I think that you have to just say, you know what, I, I believe in what I'm making. I'm going to continue to innovate faster and I'm going to trust that while, yes, there may be some folks who want to go um, and buy this knockoff version that, you know, isn't ethically produced, isn't sustainably produced, isn't the same quality, isn't, you know, um, made by a brand that uh, cares about uh, the things that they care about, that there is also a community that actually is really proud to support a brand that they believe in, that understands that making a high-quality product costs what it costs, that understands the importance of innovation and creativity. Um, and so you just sort of keep your head up and you keep working and you keep innovating and you keep building something that people believe in. And uh, and that's all you can really do. And that's what we've done. And so we're not alone in this. We see a lot of other female founders, BIPOC founders also experiencing the same thing. And it can feel hurtful in the moment, but the only thing you can do is just keep moving faster than anybody else. Yeah. And how would you say, whether just, you know, in life or in professional life, that you've been able to respond to criticism and, and deal with that? Because obviously running a business and I think especially running a business in today's day and age, people want to see the person behind the brand. It's not just liking the brand and you're so uh, transparent about your values and community and things that you care about. But I think that also just leaves room for people to, to criticize the more that you share. Yeah, I, I like to really hear and understand where people have a point. And, and if they do, then I am very grateful for it so that we can get better. And where people are just, you know, trying to go viral on the internet <laughs> yeah. at, at your, on your uh, behalf. And so, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, we launched our Diwali collection last year and um, it was designed by a British Indian and an uh, American Indian artist. It was produced in India. Everyone who worked on that collection um, you know, largely celebrated Diwali. We worked with many members of the community and it was this gorgeous and beautiful collection. And um, we sent an email out about it and we got an incredible response. And one person wrote in and said, hey, you know, I, I really wish that you would call it Deepavali because, um, you know, in my community, we call it Deepavali in South India. And, uh, and it was one, you know, the email had gone out to hundreds of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. This is one email. And I read that and I was like, she's right. We have to say happy Diwali slash happy Deepavali because different people call the same celebration by different names. And um, you know, Deepavali has pre-colonial roots. And now a lot of people say Diwali, but um, both are important. And so you know, I sent a memo to the entire team and said, Please remember when you're writing emails, when you're posting copy, just take up a little extra space and say, happy Diwali, happy Deepavali. Let's include as many people as possible. And so, you know, to me, that was such a valuable, and we wrote back and thanked her for it. And it was such valuable teaching and learning. Mm -hmm. um, and it came from a place of, I love this brand and I know that you want to do good. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so that's the type of feedback that makes us better and that I'm constantly seeking. And of course, there's, you know, the flip side of it and people who are not trying to um, engage in productive dialogue and, um, you know, see the success of, of your brand and think, well, maybe if I can, you know, um, criticize them, I'll get a handful of more followers. Yeah. And so I think it's just, just for us, it's just let's understand what the community is saying and what we can learn from that. And if we can learn, it can be one person, it can be one opinion. We will, you know, be up at midnight changing things because they had a point and their point made us better. Yeah. Um, so what would you say is next for you and, and our place? Well, our vision is to become the most beloved brand in the most important rooms in every home in the world. We're um, three and a half years old. Um, it's been a journey. We have gotten, you know, over a million people cooking more and, and having more meals together. And we hope that, you know, there's children who are growing up with more home-cooked meals because, you know, their their dad or their mom saw an ad or a post and said, you know what, I, I think I should start cooking more. Um, we are now in the UK and Canada as well. So we're increasingly a global brand. And mm -hmm. for me, as someone who's lived in many different parts of the world, that was always going to be the case. It's really important to us to have our mission in, in different parts of the world. We're still a direct-to-consumer brand, but we're increasingly omni-channel. We're we have our own retail stores. We're in luxury department stores around the world. And now that the world is opening up, we're doing a lot more with our community in person, events and book launches and um, cooking classes. Um, so that's been really, really fun. We have some amazing new products launching this year that we're really excited to bring to our community. And ultimately, you know, we are a brand called Our Place, not Our Kitchen or even Our Home. Mm -hmm. Um, because we believe food and home cooking is about making place for ourselves and others at the table. So that mission of building a bigger table is what we're most focused on through our storytelling, our give back, um, our collaborations. And we're excited to do a lot more of that. So excited for you. Thank you so much for coming on In Her Shoes. We so appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was such a lovely conversation. Now I'm hungry. Um, I'm a cook. Me too. I'm always <laughs> hungry. <laughs> In Her Shoes is hosted by me, Lindsay Peoples. Our producer and editor for this episode is Taka Zen. Our engineer is Brandon McFarlane, and our executive producer is Hannah Rosen. The Cut is made possible by the excellent team at New York Magazine. Subscribe today at thecut.com slash subscribe. I'm Lindsay Peoples, and thank you so much for listening. Celebrate Earth Month this April by harnessing the power of Mother Nature with Nature's Sunshine's new power line. From power greens with over 200 plant-based nutrients to support gut health and foundational nutrition to power beets that can improve performance and blood flow. Not to mention Power Meal, which delivers plant-based calories from Whole Foods to help keep you both energized and feeling satisfied throughout the day. This Earth Month, you can enjoy 25% off your first order with code NSP. Just go to naturesunshine.com. That's naturesunshine.com and use code NSP for 25% off your first order.